Kristen, and you're listening to Podcast and Amplify, a podcast for women entrepreneurs who want to amplify their voice and brand through podcasting and grow a wildly successful business. I'm the executive producer and host of two shows and an entrepreneur, and I love helping women grow their visibility, mindset, and business to the next level. Each week, I share tips on how to launch and leverage your podcast, and I'm bringing on the very best business leaders to give you advice on how to build your business empire. Let's amplify your voice and business. Hey there, welcome back to Podcast and Amplify. Today, I have a really great guest um, who's going to talk to us about money, finances. I know on the show, we've done a few episodes around that topic. I think we've done one on money management, one on debt, being debt-free, but money and finances is such a broad topic that I think we could probably do so many different shows uh, around that topic. But I'm excited to have our guest, Lauren Pena-Franca, on the show because she is an accredited financial counselor candidate. And so she really helps people who have variable incomes, which really made me feel like she'd be a good fit for everyone listening here because a lot of people who listen are entrepreneurs and she helps people with variable income um, cultivate a relationship with money that's rooted in security, gratitude, and choice. She uses a judgment-free space to assist clients in letting the shame of their money stories go and step into their financial power. And so I really wanted to have a conversation with Lauren about really, you know, how to move, remove the shame from our money and our finances and really get connected to our goals. And I know that's what she is an expert at talking about. So Lauren, thank you for coming onto the show and welcome. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to chat about it. So can you start uh, off by telling us about a pivotal moment that has kind of led you to where you're at today, maybe in your business, your life, whatever you want to share with us? Previously to this, I was a massage therapist for a decade and, and I still do that part-time because I have you know cultivated this clientele that I just love to see. I'm married to my partner who has a restaurant and we were going along building our family and I was pregnant with our third child and I finally sort of took the blinders off of our finances, both being self-employed and we looked at our debt and we had $100,000 of debt and we didn't have a house. <laughs> That's not a mortgage. That was like cars and student loans and credit cards and and the things that the money that we had had to spend to sort of get where we were. And we were in our best financial year ever, like our best income year. And we could not afford this baby that was coming. And I, you know, sort of couldn't unsee what I saw. And then I went into the personal finance world to try to get help. And I was met with shame and judgment and like, obviously. And so I, I drank some of that Kool-Aid and turned that criticism inward and did this like really intensive 18 month period where I was tracking everything. And I was, I was so stressed out. I had a newborn baby. I, it was like the most stressful time of my life. 
And I said, there ha- like there has to be a better way to do this. And sort of just as I was doing that, um, the pandemic hit and we were having a real crisis now. And again, the personal finance world had a, I told you so attitude. And I just, I felt so defeated and I thought I have to, I have to be able to approach money in a way that's gentler. And so like anybody who struggles with vulnerability, I decided to just become the thing that I needed. And I uh, found the AFCPE and the, I had looked at the credential earlier at the beginning of my journey and just sort of was like, oh, I'll just do this budget thing. And it seemed simpler. And I, I returned to it during the pandemic and thought I have to study this and understand this and come from a, a heart-centered place so that people who were feeling how I was feeling could have some some place to go where that wasn't the case. And I think that that's really growing. Certainly now, years later, there seems to be a momentum of moving toward a more compassionate energy around money. And I just, I'm so excited to see it because it's it's exactly what I needed seven years ago. I don't think you hear a lot of people use the term heart-centered and finances or debt, like in the same sentence, at least in the States, we have this culture of take on debt, but also be ashamed if you're in debt. Mm -hmm. And it's this really odd, you know, reality to, to live in. And so I, I totally hear what you're saying in terms of that pressure of, yeah, you, you have to take account of everything and every little cent. And if you're not doing that and spending your energy, which takes a ton of that, then you're just doing it all wrong. And um, so what are some of the ways, you know, other than being taught, I guess, these really, I don't know, they feel like strict systems. And even if we're even taught that, um, but what are some things that teach us to have shame around, you know, our money and our, our finances? I think, though, like you mentioned, we live in a culture, and Canada is certainly a participant in that culture of expectation A, result B, no matter what, expectation B, result A, you're wrong. You know, this bootstrap culture, do it yourself, but exist inside of a system that makes individualistic pursuits the ideal. And then when you get there, realizing just how lonely and unprepared you are as a, as a human, not evolved to exist individually, where we've evolved to exist in, in community and in uh, cooperation. And at the same time, we have this battle with status and, you know, who, who rank, who's on top and who's better and who's worse and heaven forbid I'd be worse. So I'm going to, you know, turn my attention toward a, a different pursuit. And then we have the dichotomy of like that pull of wanting to share our resources and wanting to be in community. And so we end up sometimes harming ourselves individually in pursuit of supporting the group. And if we do that, like, and then we're left again, it's your own fault. You did it to yourself, even though your pursuits were to the good. It, it's a a constant battle. And there's no way to really avoid shame around money in our culture because of that, because of that sort of eternal loop, whether you have money or you don't have money or you got money, there's shame around it, especially if it's other than your family system. 
if you were raised within a really frugal system, if you were to spend money on something that your family doesn't value, then there's shame for that. And certainly we have different values in our family members, even though we talk about it so broadly, like our values. My values and my sister's values are wildly different. You know, sportsmanship does not make her list of values, but it's on mine. And so any anything that's other is going to atta- attach shame to it because of how we've evolved and because other is dangerous, right? We want to exist within the group and somehow we have to exist individually like a chocolate chip cookie within the group. And so if you don't have money, then there's shame because we look out into the world and the world is telling us everybody has money. And if you just worked hard enough, you would have money too. When that, you know, the Instagram pictures and videos are not painting a true picture of reality at all. It's not painting how much capital you had to start that business. It's not painting how much luck you had to be in the right place at the right time. And so there really, when you look to shame, similar, like you said, money is such a broad topic. Shame is the same way. Uh, Me feeling, me feeling bad, not, oh, I don't have the skill set for this. And I, I can't seem to look at this objectively and just identify what skills I'm missing because I don't know what they are. So instead, I am the one that is bad and it's my fault and I could learn financial literacy, except financial literacy has so little to do with behavior change. Knowing better and doing better are not mutually exclusive. There's this big chasm between and that's where shame exists. Yeah, I love that. What you just pointed out, that financial literacy isn't the same as changing your habits and being able to do that. There's this whole other layer right underneath that. Yeah. You just reminded me of so many things as you were talking. I mean, you know, the idea that we have in the States of the American dream, you know, it's just like, you should be able to make money just bootstrapping and from your own hard work. And it's such a myth. It doesn't account for privilege. It doesn't account for a lot of external factors that aren't within your control. It's a really convoluted system that we're living in. So it's it's challenging. So when we have these non-traditional jobs that have unpredictable income, what are some helpful like shifts that we can make to, to help us think about money, how money's coming in, in, how we're managing it, or just maybe an overall mindset around money? For those who have a variable income, and that means you're unable to predict what your income is going to be determined by contract or hour or, or project. For those folks, the most important shift to make is learn how to backcast your finances. We very often forecast and budgeting, traditional budgeting systems are, are around forecasting. It's saying my paycheck on the 24th is going to be this much money. These bills are due between the 24th and the 6th of the next month. And here's what I'm going to pay and what I'm going to do with each of those dollars that are coming. When you have a variable income, you might be able to sort of estimate within a range what that looks like. And the trouble with that is sometimes that contract doesn't close. Sometimes those hours get cut. Sometimes you get sick and you can't work. Sometimes there's a bunch of aspects that you can't predict. And so uh, to shift your relationship with money and not necessarily change, it's just a matter of sort of altering your perspective. You want to only make a plan with the money that you have right now. 
you need to get to a place where you can accumulate enough savings that you're dealing with last month's money as this month's events are occurring so that you're not in a check to check, oh, this contract will close, maybe Stripe will release my payment by this date, you know, to get out of that, hopefully to be able to backcast. And that takes time to shift your perspective. But even if you focus on one item at a time, so for example, I often start with folks to think about their rent, something that gives them so much security um, and allows them to sort of rest their head on their pillow knowing, okay, rent is covered. And so if you start just to save a little bit extra, you can play games like imagining that your rent is $200 more than it is and just start to accumulate funds so that your rent can accumulate in the, in the background. So when it comes to March, you know that April's rent is already in in the bank and you can sort of deal with the other things as they come, but that one thing, and then you move on to the next thing until you have a month's worth of like flow so that you can start to backcast and go, okay, I have last month's money. How will it protect and provide for me this month while I make more money for the next month? So you're not, you know, living hand to mouth in that same way and and playing small in, in terms of like choosing one, category to create safety for yourself first is a really great way to start if it's really hard to break that check to check if you're really just sort of going through it um other another really important thing for variable earners and for anybody is to ensure that you don't spend out of the account that pays your bills so that you're not looking at your bank account and doing mental gymnastics around okay i have rent do the power bill is coming out the you know the water bill is going to come out so now i have there's there's probably 600 bucks in there i can probably you know like you're having to do all kinds of math separate your spending money from the money that you need to protect yourself so i take the i talk about money in terms of emotional and non-emotional so make sure that you're not spending emotional money out of your non-emotional bucket so using free banking. There's so many free banks and fee-free options and online options where you can create separation without creating a lot of cost. So those are more the more like strategic ways to as a variable earner to try to like give yourself a hand up. But those are sort of the two most powerful shifts that I see when I work with clients. Yeah, I I love those. I love that concept of backcasting because then you're always ahead. Yeah. Right. At least in your, your mind and I guess literally too, but like, you're always one step ahead instead of chasing. Right. Yeah. And kind of sit back in that security of, oh yeah, I have this. Yeah. And I love that, you know, prioritizing the thing that's going to make you feel the most safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's so, so important. And I have never thought of it, either of these things (laughs) around money in this way. And then, yeah, the two, the two accounts, I read this book recently, I, I'm terrible with titles and I won't mention it because I'm not about to say something very positive about it, <laughs> um, but it, it talked about setting up all these accounts and it would have this whole process. I know the one you're talking about. Some people in my uh, online community, business community, we had read it together and some people had read it before and we were just, I was just like, am I, is it me? Like, this sounds so complicated and I probably will never do this. Like I'll never open several accounts at different banks. It just seemed not insurmountable, but it just didn't seem practical. 
Yeah, I know the one you're you're talking about, and it is sort of the like beacon in the business world in terms of finances. And it's it's not un it feels unreasonable, and it isn't a terrible idea to create visual separation if you're really a visual learner. And it's not a bad idea to have more separation than that, or even to have like different institutions. But certainly, the what you're describing, I know. I when I read that, it was like that is a lot of labor. And I, the folks that I help, the the variable earners so often are neurodivergent. They're not, they're creative. They're not necessarily folks who are just like, cannot wait for their money, money Mondays to sit down and do their trans. Like it's a balance and like, they don't wear sweatshirts that say spreadsheets are my love language. Like they're, they're just not those people. And those are my people who are not those, you know, who are a little bit spreadsheet averse and we sort of create a spending plan on almost an annual basis with levers that are are built in to help you adjust as as needed and for some folks it is a lot of accounts that makes the most sense and it it looks complicated but it creates ease for them once you get all the automation and once if you have support getting it going and for other folks it goes oh Simple is best. It's this or it's that. And it's easier. And maybe there's a gray account for the in-between, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, some things are in-between kids' activities. And like, sometimes it's like, I, it's a, a negotiable, but not really. Mm. And so there, there are, money is nuanced and complex and, and so unique to each individual. There's not going to be any book that solves it for everybody. But for example, in business, it's not a bad idea to have a place where you transfer your taxes, where it's not an right. easy transfer, or you just send your taxes every month instead of quarterly. You know, there's lots of solutions and whatever works for you is what works for you. But I, I do know what you're talking about. And I did have the same feeling when I read that book the first time. Yeah, it, it was so overwhelming. But what I hear you saying is the way people approach their finances is going to be as varied as how people are because what's and the way they earn yeah the way they earn um the way they process how they like to to organize things and so you know just create a system that works for you I know I got really excited when I heard you talk about something very more simplified (laughs) because that's the way my brain works yeah Um, so I was going to ask you this question about getting you know adopting more um, around money, but I'm going to, I'm going to flip it. I want to ask you this question first around, you know, when you're feeling that stress, you know, and you're kind of in that like shame spiral, like, oh, I'm just like, I'm horrible with money or just, I, I can't get it together. What tips do you have for like getting us out of that headspace? So when you're spiraling, regardless of what kind of processor you are, whether you're an internal or an external processor, my best advice is to find somebody to talk to about it. It's to come out of the shadow and step into the light and find someone that you trust to help you just say it out loud so that you yourself can hear and identify what the challenge really is. It's really, really hard to see solutions, especially inside of the mind palace to to try to like be able to see opportunities and solutions. We need to lean on our communities. And I think especially over the last couple of years, we've really lost our connection and our communities. 
And to try to rebuild that, even if you have one safe person and you don't even have to use specifics, you can just say, I'm feeling this way about my income. I'm feeling this way about my spending. I'm feeling like I'm asking for too much. I can't both follow my passion and be able to have a, a vacation. And how come that's too much? And to be able to, to talk it out with a friend, with a counselor, with anybody who is safe, safe person who's not going to be like, well, you should, you know, somebody who's able to hold space for you, you'll be able to identify, okay, what is really bothering me here? And does it need to spill over into all these other parts of my life? Is it just that I have an income issue? And maybe instead of all of this energy that it takes to be mad at society and mad at yourself and that, that energy that I spent 18 months in tracking everything and being mad at my partner for spending $3. That's exhausting. My hair was falling out. Like I was stressing myself and it just was a matter of another person being able to steady me for a second so that the spinning can stop. And then you can be, you can see opportunity. You can see hope again and go, okay, maybe right now this passion that I'm pursuing, like, if you were a public speaker during the pandemic, it was a rough go for a lot of people. There just weren't public speaking opportunities. And so during that time, they had to be creative and you harness their creativity to find another, another route. So my best advice for stopping the spiral is reaching out for somebody to grab onto. Yeah, that's very wise because shame really kind of lives in the darkness, right? It thrives mm-hmm. when when we're just in our, you said mind palace, but it made me think of mind prison, you know, yeah. when we're in that really yuck, yucky, dark place. And uh, you're so right that when we can tell someone else the stories that we're telling ourselves, they help us get that perspective that we so often need when we just kind of can't get mm-hmm. out of it. Um, so I love that relying on your community and the, the people that you feel safe sharing your you know, some of your finances with or your situation with. So going from shame to the opposite (laughs) is joy. So how can we adopt a more joyful and just like judgment-free attitude towards money? When I talk about cultivating a joyful relationship with money, I really mean being able to choose to approach your money in such a way that you can feel okay, even, even okay about your financial situation and desire improvement. And that those two things can coexist, that it doesn't have to be anger and frustration as the fuel toward improvement, that self-compassion and compassion for your situation and compassion for the others around you, right? Yourself, others in circumstance that we can have compassion for those things and desire improvement and desire forward momentum without tearing ourselves down. And, and to me, that's the like quiet joy, not the like jumping for joy, but that everyday satisfaction. And objectively, it's just money. Sometimes you're going to go into some debt and you'll go into debt a lot faster than you'll get out of it. And that's just the math. It's a lot easier to spend money you don't have than it is to save extra and repay. But when we approach things like financial failure or debt or loss with gratitude, and this is can be sometimes get a little bit of like, okay, pushback, 
but it's it's really important that when you go to approach your money that you take a moment to be grateful for what it has provided you when i finally stopped using YNAB and and stressing myself to the ends of my capacity, I decided that every time I was going to engage with my money, I was going to write down three things that I was grateful for that my money had provided to me. And so I'm so grateful that you bought me that plane ticket when I needed to see my sister. I'm so grateful that you bought pizza when I just couldn't cook. I got babies clinging to me and I just can't get myself to do it or I can't get to the grocery store. You know, I'm so grateful for uh, that dry shampoo that you bought me, you know, like just to, and then that shifts the power dynamic of money happening to you and you engaging with your money and understanding that it's this reciprocal energetic relationship that it's not just, you're not a victim to it. And it's not a a victim to you that you're having this reciprocal back and forth. And if you ignore it, if you ignore any relationship, it's going to deteriorate. And so this is like coming into your money relationship in communion in I'm setting aside time to have an executive meeting with my partner, money, and understanding that we're going to be in lockstep all the way through this life. And so what kind of legacy do we want to leave behind? What kind of life do we want to have? What kind of values do we want to, do we want to use this relationship to help flourish? It's not just this thing that we either worship or avoid. It's something that we have to learn to develop a relationship with. And like anything, a relationship that's worth having is going to take work and it's going to take repetition and it's going to have mistakes and failures and, you know, rupture and repair. I love that. That's like your drop the mic moment. (laughs) It made me really... Think about, yeah, just having a relationship with money, not being a victim. And you're right. It's like, it did do something for you. Like you Mm -hmm. spent it and maybe you went into debt, but think about like, what did it allow you to do? And that was probably something important at that time. And yeah, I just love that idea of continuing to have a relationship with your money and seeing it as a partnership because that's such a different dynamic. I think a lot of us probably feel more victim to it just because Mm -hmm. of a lot of the things that we talked about at the top of the show, right? In terms of how we're kind of conditioned to view money and to interact with it. Um, So that is a fantastic way to end this conversation. I loved everything that you shared with us. I think it's gonna be really impactful to our listeners. But before we hop off, I wanna make sure that know how to find out about you. Um, But first, share with us what you believe your superpower or superpowers are. I've been thinking about this and I've been asked this before and I often say I'm clutch and people don't know what I mean. But I think it's sort of like it can err on the side of arrogance, but I have a bit of a blind confidence. So I'm not really, I'm not going to sweat it till I have to sweat it. You know, I, I can, I'm it's, it can lead to procrastination. It can lead to a lot of things. I don't deal with it until it's right in front of me. And then I, I know I can do a good job or I can do a pretty good job at pretty much anything. And, you know, it makes me a great wedding guest. You need somebody to start your dance floor. It'll be me. Like I'm not bothered by being the first in, in a lot of things. And, you know, somebody's like, I'm going to throw it out to the floor to make a speech. 
I feel very confident using my voice and making a speech about someone I kind of know because there was a couple too many beats of nobody putting their hand up. You know, I will be the the one to get the ball rolling. I'm a great initiator and I have sort of this like blind confidence to thank for that. And it gets me in trouble, but it also is, I think, like any superpower, there's there's two edges to it. Yeah. Oh, I love that superpower. Awesome. So she's a great wedding guest. <laughs> slash. <laughs> I will start your dance floor, I promise. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. So um, also, please share uh, where we can connect with you. Yeah, you can go to my website, uh, lvcoaching, E-L-V-I-E coaching.com. And you can find me on Instagram, the same uh, lb.coaching. Uh, I hang out there primarily and my DMs are open and I love chatting with people and getting to know them and uh, hearing about what you do and how you do it. That's uh, how we met. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love the the people, like the actual true like connecting part of Instagram it, and uh, learning about learning about each other. So you can find me there. Awesome. Thank you again for being on the show. I know that people are going to learn a lot from this episode. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Kristen. It's my pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. So if you found this episode really valuable, I'd love for you to head on over to Instagram and share your big takeaways, any aha moments that you had and tag me at podcast and amplify. If you have any questions, make sure to hit me up in the DMs. And if you have any friends or fellow entrepreneurs who you think would get a ton of value from the show, make sure to share this episode with them. Your recommendations and your reviews are really what help grow this podcast. And we are always so grateful for your support. Always remember your voice and what you have to offer is needed in the world. Until next week, take care.